You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back, Outlaws and Gunslingers. We are your hosts, Bang and Dang here, and we told you last week we'd have the fellow Bailey Underhill gang member, Wilbert Underhill, for you this week. Last week was Harvey Bailey, obviously. Um, and as we noted, those two spent about a month after uh, they got out of prison robbing some shit together, some stuff together, sorry. And uh, this is Wilbert Underhill Jr. is a little, little more entertaining, I think, than uh, Harvey Bailey's was, as Harvey Bailey, Harvey Bailey wasn't a... I don't think he even killed anybody, as far as I remember. Just the one guy. Yeah, and then um, nothing, just Rob Banks is it. He had to kill that guy, though. Kind of, like, uneventful there. Right. Um, but uh, I think this one would be a little bit more... That guy was just his escape partner, right? I don't even know if that was Harvey that did that. Did he? Had to hit him in the back with the... Or shot him in the back. Frank Nash, right? I think it was, yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, Bailey's just Rob Banks got about... He did rob his... It's claimed to fame now... Not when he was alive. And now uh, he ended up robbing more money than John Dillinger John ever Dillinger. did. Probably Our, any uh, of those gangsters. Over a million dollars throughout it's, his uh, career. The past three people that we did are considered the most successful bank robbers. So which one is it? One of the. <laughs> one of the. Well, plus uh, all those guys have worked together. so it wouldn't... But these last guys are the smartest ones so far until they get stupid. It's like so smart, but once once they do that first thing bad, it just done from there. It's pretty much how any crime goes. <laughs> yeah, but if you're actually smart, you can stop it with that one mistake instead of just leading on down a road of mistakes to where you finally end up at your destination, death. The old, yeah. The, well, not for uh, old Harvey. Yeah, Harvey made it out, at didn't he? Age, like, 70-something, wasn't it? 92 he was, I think. Yeah, he was born in... Uh, yeah, he died in... Uh, 81. 79. 79. He was born he in... He was born in... 89, 80, 97, or... He was born in 87, so yeah. 87. So he was almost... He was 90-something years. 92 years old, yeah. It's awesome. So, uh, like we discussed, he lived uh, three different lives. Right. His Robin life, his prison life, and then 20 years after he got out of prison. He lived his life in 30-year increments. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, enough of Harvey, Harvey Bailey. There's an episode last week that you guys can go right. listen to on that. This one's about Wilbert Underhill Jr., who's Wilbert. often called Mad Dog or the Tri-State Terror. Mad Dog. American criminal, burglar, bank robber, and all-around outlaw badass. He's one of the most wanted bandits in Oklahoma during the 20s and the 30s. So the Oklahoma area... Pretty sure uh, that's where Babyface Nelson was from. Right? Around that area? Mm-hmm. Wilbur Jr. was born in Joplin, Missouri, March 16th, 1901. One of seven children. Seven of them. His three older brothers, Earl, George, and Ernest. Ernest. Nice. Look at all those beautiful names. I wonder if he went to camp. <laughs> right. right. Or jail. <laughs> Did he save Christmas? <laughs> what about the trolls? What was that one? Ernest and the trolls? Maybe. Anyway. Uh, his three brothers all became career criminals, mm-hmm. though none gained the notoriety of their younger bro. Oh, will be. While his three sisters led law-abiding lives. Of course, they always do, man. Uh, Underhill was 12. His brother, George, killed a local peanut vendor and was sentenced to life imprisoned. 
Hey, man, I said I wanted my peanuts shelled. Right, and how much money do you think he really got if he was kind of trying to kill him for money? Who says he was trying to kill him for money? Maybe, Maybe he was trying to rob him for the peanuts. Or a bad batch of peanuts. It's disgusting. It's a bad peanut. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Underhill began to show a wild streak soon afterwards. Ooh, a wild streak. Though his mother claimed it was the result of a childhood accident that didn't leave him quite right. That boy was never quite right after that childhood accident. He bumped his head. He never been quite right. He also changed the spelling of his given name from Wilbur with a E to Wilbur with a U, believing it sounded more manly. So it was Wilbur, and now it's Wilbur? Yeah. <laughs> right. That makes any sense. Wilbur, and it's Wilbur. Right? You get it? You see the subtle difference there? I get it. Wilbur? Wilbur. Wilbur. And Wilbur. I wonder if that's Bill Burr's uh, uncle. <laughs> Bill Wilbur? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, his last name's not Wilbur, though. I know. It's Underhill. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Wilbur, though. That's a, that's a good name. And then William Wilbur. Yeah. <laughs> William Wilbur. Uh, ah, Underhill committed his first criminal offense by stealing silverware. Well, it was actual silver, so he was at a neighbor's home, and he stole them sons of beaches. He's like, I'm taking these home. I'm sick of using that rusty old iron. We shouldn't even be eating with iron. <laughs> Why? I don't know. You cook and cast iron, don't you? Yeah, I'm saying. It's good to... Uh... He think He's better than being... Poor folk. He right. wants to eat with silver. He wants a silver spoon in his mouth. Right. I'm sick of this rusty old iron spoon mm. in my mouth. Leaves a nasty aftertaste. Could be tin. Could be tin. Yeah, just made one out of a tin can. That's what he's been eating with. Right. Jagged edges. Ooh, I cut in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those popsicles when you're a kid. Yes. Those bitches will cut the sides of your mouth like I'm like crazy. that with spoons you eat with. If it's, yeah, if it's if, big wide ones. Yeah. If it gets that little part of the top of your lips, I ain't using that. I'll dig through the, the the drawer to find the spoon that I like. What do you mean? Top of your Sometimes lip. the spoon has got a little bit more of a gully in it, and like the sides of it. If you, oh right, it'll get the top of your lips. Right. You ever had the spoons with like the weird taste? Yeah. Like, I, like the ting, the ting, yeah. tingsy taste. I won't tingy. use them. I won't use them. Well, obviously not. You basically use the same. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he stole silverware from neighbor's home. He did. When questioned by the police, he attempted to convince them that a stranger had given it to him. He's like, nah, man, some dude gave it nah, to me. I took him from strangers. <laughs> 1918, he was convicted of burglary and spent four years in prison. Mm. A year after his release, Wilbur became locally known as the Lover's Lane Bandit. Oh, so he's going around the old Lover's Lane pits uh, robbing people, huh? Nice. When his identity became known after being caught by the police decoy, he was sent to the Missouri State Penitentiary. For five years, so nice. they had a little uh, decoy up on the old Lever's Lane, and this guy his ass. is just like a petty thief, mm, just getting right. caught. At this point, yeah, and he's not very smart about it. Mm-hmm. He's there for five years. He was released on parole in late 1926. So he just did nine years because he did four years prior. No, yeah, no. 1918, he said four years in prison. Oh, a year after his release, yeah, and, and then, then he, he went back for another five. Another, uh, so he did nine years. A year later, from 1919 to 1925, he was in prison. So, yeah, another nine years so far of his... Uh, wow. year was he born? Don't say 1901. 1901. So it's 1926. And he spent nine years in prison already. In Half 20, of his life in prison in 25 already. Years. 25 years old. Crazy. <laughs> well, almost. Well, right. After uh, he was released on parole in late 1926. Right. <laughs> Three he was born eights. in 1901. He was in there for nine years. He's only 25, so. Yeah, three-eighths of his life. Right. 
Well, he was released on parole in late 1926, and on Christmas Day, he and Ike Skeet Aikens Whoa. robbed a drugstore. I think we heard that name before. Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> Sydney, I'm not the killer. <laughs> robbed a, uh, he, him and Aikens robbed a drugstore in Okmulgee, Oklahoma. In the course of the robbery, 19-year-old customer George Fee was killed. He paid the ultimate fee that day. Mm, sure did. Uh, they were eventually arrested on January 7, 1927, and charged with moita. Moita. What's the charge? It's moita. As well as armed robbery. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta got to get out of that murder charge. We got the murder charge. Underhill and Aikens were still awaiting trial when they decided to escape from the Oakmulgee jailhouse January 30th with fellow inmates Red Gann. First time hearing this name. And Duff Kennedy. First time hearing that name. Yes. Well, look, look at these names back in the day. Like, who names their kids right. this nowadays? And again, smuggled hacksaws. We're, uh, this must have been a thing back then. Yeah, man. Smuggling hand saws. Ha- All I need is get one bar, and I can spit through the other two. While Underhill yeah. successfully eluded authorities, his partner was captured at Lamar, Missouri, on 9th of February. Three days later, while being brought back to Oak Mulgee, Atkins attempted to another escape. And this time, the sheriff was like, nope. Mm. I have to put a bullet in you. They're skeet. Sheriff John Russell moited. Well, I guess he apprehended the prisoner. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of a smart pun to go with that, but it uh, didn't work. Uh, well, a day after Aiken's death, Underhill robbed a movie theater for 52 bucks mm. in Pitcher, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's 52 bucks, a lot of money back then. Yes, confronted by Constable George Fuller, he grabbed Fuller's pistol and killed a deputized civilian, Earl O'Neill. No. No relation to Ed, uh, before, maybe, before escaping. Underhill was finally caught in Panama on March 20th and taken to Okamulgee, where he was convicted of the fee murder and sentenced to life. Wow. On June 3rd, 1927. Sentenced to life. I mean, he killed a deputized civilian. At the age of 26. Right. 26 years old and Mm. spending the rest of his... Ten years remaining in life. So. Right. Wilbur made several attempts to escape from the Oklahoma State Penitentiary, and he finally succeeded. That's the thing. That's the common thing with our last, like, three people, dude. They're, like, master escape artists. For master. Some reason. Or, well, not even last three. Everybody. Babyface, Dillinger, all those guys escaped from prison more than once. Right. He did this on the 14th of July in the year of 1931. Mm. Twelve days later, Underhill purchased a car in Cherryville, Kansas, under the name of, you guessed it, Ralph Carraway. Mm. And then, guess what he did there, guys? He, he robbed a local theater. He loved these theaters. Yeah. But this time he got, got a little bit more. This time he got 300 bucks. Nice. That must have been a Saturday or something. Right. Saturday. Right. Cherryville must be known to have good uh, mm-hmm. performances. Must have been a premiere. Right. The following month, he recruited his young nephew. Come here, young nephew. <laughs> Frank Underhill. Oh, Frankie. Frank Underhill joined him. And they went on a new they crime spree. They went on spree. a new and improved crime spree. He's <laughs> new, like, Frankie, my boy. <laughs> new and improved. No more uh, no more robbing theaters. However, more, on more. August 12th, yeah. we will rob a Wichita gas station. <laughs> but this time, Frankie will only get $14.68. Uh, you'd think you'd get more than that. Unless it was just a gas station. A local gas station only get fourteen dollars. Well, oh. well, while leaving that scene of the robbery, Underhill crashed into another car and had to have it towed to a nearby garage and checked into a hotel. This dude just getting his car towed. <laughs> no cops came or anything. The, the funny next... part is the garage is probably connected to the right, gas station that right he's robbed. He'd be like, "Hey, dude, <laughs> the car's about uh, a quarter mile down the road. <laughs> Can you go pick that up? You know, pick it up for me and <laughs> bring it on back." He's like, sure, that'll be $14.68. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, for real? That's highway robbery, man. <laughs> what a coincidence. That's exactly what I have on me. <laughs> He's like, I know. I gave it to you no more than 25 no minutes than, ago. No more than two minutes ago. <laughs> well, it literally, took him I literally to... saw you pull out of my driveway. And <laughs> yeah, crash it took him a while to walk, walk from the crash site. To... No, that's Back. hilarious. Uh, the next day, patrolman Merle Culver arrived at the hotel. So it took, no, um, took, him, took a whole day before a patrolman arrived there. Um, so we got a, a patrol guy there, geez. huh? Is he there for this guy, or is he just there to check things out? He arrived at the hotel, I'm assuming that he was called there. Right, well, this is why he arrived. He had mm. been assigned to check Wichita hotels for suspicious guests and went to their room to request them. Wow. <laughs> Did not request them at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I request you. You request me to do what? <laughs> well, I, request, I, just, I just request. Well, I request you to get the hell out of my face. <laughs> just know that I got a request out for you. <laughs> I'll be back when I. I'll be back when I think of something. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Anywho, he's been signed to go to Wichita hotels for uh, suspicious guests, and he went to their rooms to question them. Question them. When he knocked on the door, Wilbur Underhill shot him three times. <laughs> well, he's request, like, "Well, here's my request. I request you to take this lead <laughs> in your head." He's like, "Sir." I request you to shoot me three times. In my head until I'm dead. Kill me instantly, please. Please. And that's what he did. Shot him three times in the head, killed him so instantly. So wait, shouldn't it just be like one time in the head and kill him instantly? Because instantly got killed from the one bullet. The two other ones didn't mean jack. For no reason. You so know? that made him uh, a psychopath. Right. So who was his name? Patrolman Merle, Patrolman Merle Culver, Culver. Just doing some of uh, his assigned just duties. Doing what he's on duty to do. Noticed that he stopped at one of the hotels and... and uh, he wasn't even necessarily there for no. Underhill. No, he's just going to act the clerk at the motel, ask the clerk, hey, man, you got any suspicious people? Well, yeah, we need to get these guys well, there. Well, this guy uh, did crash into some other people. <laughs> His car's getting fixed over there. All right. <laughs> well, that sounds suspicious. Funniest thing. These guys came in robbed me for $14.68. <laughs> the damn car. Ten minutes later, they come back. Why don't we go pick up the damn car? <laughs> so I did. Oh, Oh, jeez. Fleeing on foot, Underhill became involved in a run-in gunfight with the police. Jeez. A two-year-old boy was killed in the crossfire when police fired at Underhill. Oh, the Popos killed a two-year-old boy. That's not good. No. He was eventually stopped by a lucky shot to the neck. Oh, man. Wilbur Underhill was convicted of murder, earning him another life sentence and was imprisoned in Lansing State Prison on September 4th, 1931. Wow. Old Frankie Underhill was not charged and apparently scared straight. From experiences, and he never committed another criminal offense for the rest of his natural-born life. Well, you know what? Good for Frank. Right. He's just seen a two-year-old get killed. Well, actually, right. he just seen the constable get shot three times in oh the head. My. Then a two-year-old boy gets killed, and then Underhill gets shot in the neck. He's like, that ain't for me, Unc. <laughs> He's like, this is crazy, guy. He's like, Uncle, I don't know what you did <laughs> right. to drag me into this, but I'm out. Mm-hmm. You leave me out of this. There's a reason why Pa don't talk to you no more. Right. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. One bit. Early 1930s, Underhill had become one of the most notorious bandits in Oklahoma. While an inmate in Lansing, he participated in a mass escape with 10 other inmates using pistols smuggled in by a guard. Which you uh, you guys have heard this in the last episode because you know who one of these fellies, fellow escapees are. Yes, and they're like, we're leaving this prison and we're going to Cookson Hills. We're going to Cookson Hills. Uh, among those included in this jailbreak included the following... Harvey Bailey, mm-hmm. Jim Clark, Jimmy Clark, Frank Sawyer, Sawyer, Ed Davis, Eddie. 
Robert Big Bob Brady. Oh, shit. R-B-B-B-B. It's actually Bob Big Bob Brady. Bob Big Bob. <laughs> Bob Big Bob. 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 Big Bob Brady. Tommy Brady. <laughs> you got Jim Clark, Frank Sawyer, Ed Davidson, Cookson Hills. Don't forget <laughs> Wilbur Underhood. Uh, Underhill. Under <laughs> Big Bob Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, big Bob, Bob, big Bob, Bob, big Bob, Bob, big Bob, big Bob, Brady, Bobby Bailey. They got a Jim Clark, Frank, Sir, Ed Davis, and don't forget Underhill, <laughs> Underhill, Wilbur, that is, <laughs> with the U. <laughs> There's a story about a man named Big Bob. <laughs> There's a story about a man named Bob, Big Bob. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Here we are. Among these included Harvey Bailey, Jim Clark, Frank Sawyer, Ed Davis, and Robert Big Bob Brady. Okay. Many of these... <laughs> Many of these men later became members of the gang headed by himself and Harvey Bailey. Sir, as we told you last week, as I set off on a crime spree lasting a little over six months. Oh, six months, obviously. So, so this, is actually, month, yeah. this is a long crime spree. A long little crime spree. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to read a little bit more about it. There's a little bit more in here than there was in uh, Harvey's episode. Well, they split off, didn't they? Or something? Uh, after six months, yes. <laughs> Almost two weeks after their escape on June 16th, he and Bailey led a robbery with several other men uh, and robbed a bank in Black Rock, Arkansas. The next day, Underhill and Bailey were among several several fugitives wrongly named as the participants in the Kansas City Massacre. Wrongly. Uh, which, you know, is to failed attempt to free Frank Nash from custody. And uh, old Nashy died and four lawmen there. So they were wrongly uh, accused of that. Right. So it's crazy. So here we are, tying stories up from past month. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Full circle, circle of life, baby. The gang continued its activities and robbed $11,000 Harris from a bank in Clinton, Oklahoma. Look at, uh, um, Underhill don't even know what to do with himself right now because he's like, dude, I was robbing gas stations for $14 before uh, right. any of this bank robbing stuff came about. Eleven grand, baby. I think uh, up until now, his biggest take that we've seen was 300 bucks from the movie theater. 300 bucks that we've seen so far. Um, right. Two days later, Underhill apparently acted alone in a bank robbery in Canton, Kansas. But rejoined the gang by the time the Bailey Underhill gang struck a bank in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. Which we know. Uh, 9th of August, 1933. Which we know that uh, that was Harvey's last bank robbery. Kingfisher. Which we're going to see here because three days after the Kingfisher robbery, Bailey was visiting Robert Shannon, who's the father-in-law of old Machine Gun there Kelly. There you go. Like I said, that circle. At his Texas ranch, a safe house when police and federal agents raided the property, Bailey had been passed. Passed <laughs> ransom money from Kelly's kidnapping of oil tycoon Charles Urschel and wrongly convicted in the plot two months later. You want to go uh, check out the Harvey Bailey episode to see uh, what happened after that. Right. Well, we know Bailey. He's serving a life sentence. He is, but Willie. Underhill is like, you know what? I'm taking charge of this gang. It might have been Bailey Underhill game, but now it's just the Underhill gang, damn it. Right. We can keep Bailey on there if you want. Yeah, right. Sure. It's like the Bob and Tom show. There's right. no Bob no more. It's just right. Tom. Right. Keep it. Anyway, Underhill took charge of the gang. October 6th, he did. He and several unidentified men robbed $3,000 from a bank in several. Baxter Springs. Oh, look at those guys. Several unidentified. Fantastic. Should it be just Underhill and the unidentified? <laughs> the under-identifieds. 
<laughs> anyway, they did this in Baxter Springs, Kansas. Uh, these were followed by bank raids in Galena, Kansas, or Jelena, however you want to say it, G-A-L-E-N-A. Never been there, so or even heard this town. Right. And Stuttgart, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Arkansas. <laughs> Stuttgart, Arkansas. November 9th, he and Ford Bradshaw raided in Okmulgee. Dang, he went back to Okmulgee? He went back to Okmulgee. Oh, hey, down, down in <laughs> Okmulgee, I'll rob a bank once. Not twice, you know me. Right. With a few other men, <laughs> they escaped away with 13 grand. I hate to be the uh, the uh, unidentified men and the few other men in this guy's life, because they don't get no recognition. few other men and unidentified. I'll tell you, I get no respect. That was a terrible danger field, but what are you going to do, right? Underhill was now attracting national media attention. Look at Underhill. Took him that long? Took him that long. He had now been called Mad Dog or the Tri-State Terror by several newspapers, one even dubbing him the Southwest Executioner. He should have went around re- wearing an executioner's uh, hood after that. Right. Call me uh, Wilbur the Executioner. Executioner <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> While authorities made efforts to go after them almost immediately following the Okamogi heist. Um, at the same time, he's being uh, called this in the papers and stuff. Special task force was formed and included armored cars. Hey. And searching through Cooks and Hills looking for him. Look at Is this the first deployment of armored cars for uh, Dillinger? Baby face and um, the machine gun didn't get no armored cars, as far as I'm con- as far as I remember. I didn't hear about that. I've never seen that armored cars in right. any of the articles, mm. unless it was mm. left behind. Right. Well, 18th of November. Don't be a Kirk. Right. 18th of November, while the task force was still in Cookson Hills, Wilbur presented himself at the courthouse in nearby Colgate, applied for a mayor's license under his own name. What? See, that's where the stupidity comes in. Why? Anyway, his fiance Hazel Jarrett Hudson. Was Maybe a... she was like, baby, I ain't marrying you unless you do it on your real name. Right. I want to be. Like, and she, he's like, you're not getting. She's like, I want to be an underhill. You're not getting none of this until we get married. So. Mm-hmm. He's like, Damn it. Uh, he did it. This is going to put me in prison for life. For but, uh, life. As long as I get that one piece of pie before mm-hmm. I leave, I guess it's worth it. Right. His fiance Hazel Jarrett Hudson. Was a That's sister J-A-R-R-E-T. of J A double R E double T Jarrett J A R J A double R E double T J A double R J A double R E double T double T Jarrett J E double F J A double R E is that what he said J E double F J A double R double T it's not a double E though. Oh no, <laughs> Jerryt, <laughs> Jerryt, <laughs> Jeff Jerryt. His name is J Double E Double F. It's Jeff Jerryt, Jeff Jerryt, Jeff Jerryt. Woo, woo, like it. Anyway, his fiance hails a. <laughs> this episode's full of uh, garbage, piss and vinegar. Right. And we, we know her name. Hazel Jerry Hudson <laughs> was a sister of the outlaw Jarrett Brothers. Oh, shit. The Jerry Brothers. <laughs> the yeah, Jerry the Brothers. With those guys. Those yeah. guys aren't even important. You can't even click on them. Oh, well, you can't, what kind of name can't you click on? Right. <laughs> the Jerry Brothers were worthless. <laughs> As part of the wedding present for Hazel, Wilbur, and several others... There are these several others. Several okay, others. now there's... <laughs> Identify unidentified. A few. A few. <laughs> several <laughs> others, dude. <laughs> these guys. And they were probably all the same people. They probably were. These guys get no respect. And they're part of a gang, too, and like nobody knows the name of these guys' gang. <laughs> right. Like, jeez. 
It's it's Wilbur and several others. Maybe maybe that's, oh wait, or is that a few? I don't know what happens to Underhill in this. If he gets killed or goes to prison, maybe maybe if he does go to prison, that's one of his demands. Whenever you mention my bank robbery, you should just say me and several others, or unidentified, or anything like that's that. The only way I'm giving up, <laughs> or anything like that. Anything that is just don't name anybody. How can you do it? Good stuff. <laughs> anyway, Underhill yeah. and several others, they robbed a bank in Frankfort, Kentucky. Frankfort, Kentucky. At least they're sticking around town. Or, I mean, around. Oh, yeah, man. It's all this era is the Midwest. You don't hear nothing about Cali or nothing like that. Right. Uh, meanwhile, disgraced FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover is reportedly frustrated with the lack of progress from Oklahoma authorities. He assigns Agent H.R. Colvin to the Underhill case. Now the FBI is officially uh, tracking down old uh, Wilbur. Colvin right. soon discovered that Underhill had given his wife's address in Oklahoma City to the minister who married them in order to receive their marriage certificate. And, and there is the inevitable screw-up right. and the downfall and, of every one of these uh, gangsters that we've read about from the Wild West up right. until now. Right. There's always one thing like this. Right. Idiots. And plus, we know when the FBI gets involved, it's probably going to be some Somebody's kind of getting shot. fishy. Yeah, it's going to be a little fishy situation here. Somebody's getting shot for real, and then they're going to cover it up. And yeah, in time, uh, the initials J E H are involved. Hoover or FBI, right? Federal agents staked out the home of Wilbur, spotted the Underhills a week later. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife, his parents at her parents' address. Oh, okay. Agents at the scene called for reinforcements, but by the time they arrived, the newlyweds had left to celebrate their honeymoon. <laughs> A few days later, police raided a farm near Kanawha, where they knew Underhill was staying. Oh, they knew it then, huh? However. However. Underhill had passed them earlier on the highway <laughs> when he was able to escape uh, before the police realized they made a it's mistake. It's like a bunch of Barney uh, fights. Right, right. On every one of these uh, <laughs> FBI guys, or, dude. Or, uh, uh. Deputy Dewey's or something. Or, uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> Sheriff, uh. What's his name? B. What was the deputy's name? It was his daddy. Daddy? Big Hoss was the sheriff, wasn't it? Yeah. B- Buford T. Holtrain or something like that, right? Coltrane? Something like that. I forget what it was. Great movie, though. Right. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Underhill and his gang continued to remain active into the in the area uh, while they got the FBI on them. Well, uh, Wilbur, Jack Lloyd, and Ralph Rowe attempted to burglarize a bank in Hurrah, Oklahoma on December 11, 1933. And then they robbed another bank in Colgate two days later. Jeez, Did they, so they attempted to burglarize a bank. Did they succeed? Right. Maybe they didn't do that one. And so they were like, we'll do this yeah, one in Colgate. We're going to go Colgate two days later. These boys. guys are just nonstop. This is like Wild West stuff here. It is, dude. Ridiculous. These guys should have been doing this stuff in the 80s, 70s of the 1800s. Uh, right, dude. Like, yeah. How many bank robberies like this? The 30s and the Wild West. That's like the oh. bank robbery time. No right. other. I mean, sure, people have tried, but not in the... You didn't have multiple people running from state to state robbing like, banks all the like time. From 1926 to like 35, it's just bank robberies, just nuts all all day. And then 18 what 60s all the way up to the really 1860s to 1930s. Yeah, people I were guess. still robbing banks in the early hundos and stuff. 20s, the 13s, the 13s of the teens, <laughs> the teens. So anyhow, day after Christmas, 1933. Wilbur and Hazel Underhill were celebrating their honeymoon with Ralph Rowe and his girlfriend, Eva May Nichols, at a rented cottage in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Okay. 
Four days later, a 24-man strike force, including oh, federal agents, state troopers, and local police, surrounded this very house. See, when you have federal, the FBI, state troopers, and local, we know how that ended up with uh, Babyface Nelson. Right. Well, this group was led by R.H. Colvin and Frank Smith, the latter a survivor of the Kansas City Massacre. Ooh. So he was like, I was there. Right. I want revenge. Even though this guy had nothing to do with it. Right. When called on to surrender, Underhill began firing, resulting in the task force returning oh, that fire. Oh, no. Here we go. We got a shootout now. Poor old Eva Nichols, who's an innocent woman, was killed in the gunfight, and Underhill, who was barefoot and still in his underwear, ran from the house, attempted to escape. Oh. He was hit five times before leaving the yard, but ran for another 16 blocks before breaking into a furniture store and collapsing on one of the beds. He's really? like, He's like, I'm not leaving until I can get a bed. And he ran 16 blocks, though. <laughs> 16 blocks, I know. Jeez. Ralph Rowe, also wounded, was taken into custody with Hazel Underhill. Underhill was taken to Mc- McAllister, where he remained handcuffed in his bed. What is McAllister? The, the, the town or something? I think so. A prison? He was handcuffed to his bed at the prison hospital until his death on January 6, 1934. Wow. So this firing happened on um, December, December 26. 26. So he lasted. Oh, four days later, so December 30th. Oh. So he lasted uh, six days, six seven days, days with five bullet wounds. Uh-huh. His last words were. Tell the boys I'm coming home. Mm. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Tell the boys I'm coming home. So they got sloppy mm-hmm. and got busted. They got busted. Mm. Like they always do. Mm. And end up taking an innocent uh, wife or yep. girlfriend. That guy, it was. and you know uh, Ralph there, he, he probably spilled the beans on everything. Oh. The dude got his wife killed. And, yeah. Mm. Oh. Was his girlfriend or wife? I don't know if it was girlfriend or wife, was it? Ralph his and his girlfriend, Eva, yeah. So. His wife probably didn't care for her. Yeah, I don't know. He really liked Hazel. <laughs> Maybe that was, yeah, that was their plan. Neither of them got charged, right? Sticking in custody, so I'm sure he got charged with something. Anyhow, Wilbur Underhill's gang, led by Ford Bradshaw, led a raid into the small town of Vian and shot up the town in revenge for Underhill's capture. Oh. This accomplished little, especially with Underhill's death a week later. Right. An incident was used by newspapers to turn public opinion against the gang, and within months, Bradshaw and the others have been killed or apprehended by the law. By the law. So that put an end to the Underhill gang and its affiliates. The Harvey, or the Bailey Underhill gang, is officially gone, because by this time, uh, Bailey's in prison. Uh, he'll die at age 92, though, so he, he may, he's the only one in this story. Well, we don't know about the others. Right. You know, they're all unidentified, several and uh, others. <laughs> and few. So, uh, right. <laughs> he, uh, Bailey made it out the uh, the good side, huh? Underhill just couldn't stop himself, dude. No. He, he, it's like all the others. They got guilt or um, sloppy. Just keep going and going and going. And go. they, they never have enough. It's never. Just, learn your lesson. Look at history. Yeah, and then that's when he got with his old lady, and that's when he got sloppy. Right, right. Yeah, I told you. Hazel. That'd be the downfall. That marriage license got to give somebody's address. Why didn't he just give somebody else's a fake address somewhere? All right. Stupid. Stupid. <sighs> These guys will never learn. I'm sure. Well, we'll see uh, next week. Oh, Eddie Bentz. See what Ooh, he learns. Who's Eddie Bentz? I have no idea who Eddie Eddie Bentz is. Ooh. So we're gonna we're uh, it's another episode next week of us learning together, and we just learned something together here because I didn't uh, know anything about Underhill before uh, this episode. No. So. I said it's a learning experience for all of us. We're not. Like we've said countless times before, we're not professionals. Oh. We're not. Uh, 
we don't, we obviously, you, you've heard the podcast. If you've made it this long, you know we're not professional. So, uh, <laughs> of anything, yeah. of anything, we're just, we're, yeah, right. We're just learning with you guys and having some fun in between. So, with that being said, that's going to do it with the Wilbur Underhill Jr. episode. We'll be back next week for Eddie Bentz and his interesting story because he is, uh, as J. Edgar Hoover describes him, the shrewdest, most resourceful, intelligent, and dangerous bank robber in existence. So uh, more banks getting robbed and probably more death in that one. So we're back next week for that one. In the meantime, go check us out. Yeah. We've been bantering and uh, doing stupid stuff all episodes. So if you like that kind of stuff, go check out The Bang and Dang Show, wherever you get podcasts. Same type of stuff, just with a plethora of other topics, politics, news, music, sports, whatever it is, and anything and everything. And then also, if you're a wrestling fan, the Monday Night Watch Long, we are 110 weeks into... The, um, We've been doing this for two years, guys. Two years. 110 weeks into the start of the Monday Night Wars where we watch we watch the main events of each show and uh, give them our own rankings, and we'll decide who won the, the uh, Monday Night Wars. So if you like wrestling, you want to watch a couple matches with us each week, go ahead and uh, the Monday Night Wars along again, wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back next week. Eddie Benz for the Monster Michigan. A couple guys. <laughs> Unidentified. <laughs> <laughs>